this morning. We're glad that you're here. It encourages us that you're here, and we want to invite all of our young people to be a part of Vacation Bible School this week. Obviously, this is an exciting time in the life of our congregation. Jesus called children into him. He didn't belittle them. He didn't turn them away. He esteemed them and said, such is the kingdom of heaven, and he brought them close. And that's what we want to be, is we want to be like our father. We want to bring children close to us at all times. We want to be like our elder brother, Jesus, that saw the value of children. And we also not only see their value today, but we realize that the great blessing it is to be able to plant seeds in their life. And we want Vacation Bible School to be a seed that's planted, that they see the love of God in all of the adults that are helping, and that the knowledge of God is planted in the study of His Word. There may be many kids that come this week that they don't go to church any other time of the year. We want them to grow up knowing that this is a place that whenever they get old enough to make their own decisions, that this is a place that they want to come back to. This is a place where they want to come back to learn more of God and see more of what they experienced. Here at this building, the three-year-old through sixth grade, three-year-old through sixth grade will be meeting from nine till noon, Monday through Thursday. It'll be a Bible boot camp. Uh, They're going to be encouraged to be soldiers in God's army. And we hope that you'll bring your children, your grandchildren. We hope that you'll spend this afternoon at least inviting three or four other neighbors or other children that you know and let them know that this is a wonderful opportunity for them. Also, we want to ask you to be sure and check the table that is out in the foyer. You'll see a few t-shirts on the table, but look at the list. There's a list of children. If you see your child's name on there, mark what size t-shirt that they would wear. And your child will enjoy being able to wear a t-shirt to remind them of this great week. But also, you may not see your child's name even though you've registered. If you don't see your child's name, will you do us a big favor? Will you walk to the other side of the foyer, just, uh, just across it, just about 10 feet behind you, and you'll see the computer and you will see papers beside the computer. If you will, use the paper this time, okay? We've had a little bit of problem with the registration on the computer, and we think we've lost uh, some of the names. And so this would be a great time for you to help us update our registration, but also let us get straight what size T-shirt that that your child will need. So if you could do that sometime today, that'd be a great, great help. To all of you that are helping with Vacation Bible School, we really appreciate you. There are so many that are working so hard, and what a blessing it is. If you would, allow me to tell you just a few things about that we also want you to be mindful of. Tonight, right after the evening services, we will have an ice cream supper that traditionally is kind of like our kickoff for Vacation Bible School. Homemade ice cream, be sure and and make you a batch and bring it tonight. Uh, Also cookies and et cetera, drinks will be provided. And uh, we look forward to that time of fellowship together. Also know that we have a teen Vacation Bible School. We've kind of grown accustomed to that. That's something that we love dearly in this congregation. But it's interesting, every year, people that visit it, they're they're amazed. They say, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen where so many teenagers come together. And yet, we are trying our best to raise the bar every year. Our four speakers this year and the topic, 
I really believe is, is somewhat of raising the bar. This year, we're challenging our young people to learn that in Hebrews 10 and 1 and other passages, God makes it very clear that there are several things under the old covenant that are a shadow of things to come. In other words, if I were walking in a shadow of a tree at this very moment, I wouldn't be standing in the tree. I'd be standing in the shadow. The real thing would be out in front of me, and I could walk to the tree. There are so many things under the old covenant that they were not the real thing. They were shadows of the things to come. And so we want to study things like the Passover. What was that a shadow of? We want to study the priesthood. What was that a shadow of? We want to study the temple. What was that a shadow of? And then notice also the four speakers that we have lined up there. Perhaps most of you will know Andrew Phillips. Tremendous young man that's loved by this congregation, but also very, very capable of teaching and challenging our young people. Our young people will definitely know the second speaker there on Tuesday. Lonnie Jones is considered premier speaker among youth events uh, throughout the brotherhood. Also, if you don't know, the third guy, the, uh, Doug Burleson on Wednesday, is considered one of our young, great scholars in the brotherhood. I don't use any of those terms lightly. He is young. He is a great scholar. And we literally thought of him and invited him in simply because of the topic. We want our children to be challenged to understand this concept of shadows and seeing that fulfilled. And then Taft Ayers is one of our young people's favorite speakers. And he always does a great job of digging in the scriptures and pulling out so much. And of course, among uh, the events of Vacation Bible School from 9 till 12, there's several other things that will be happening that will also be driving home that lesson. Let me tell you a few things that will help you know to make the day smooth for parents and grandchildren, or grandparents and all that will be involved in this day. If you need to drop your child off here, there will be a shuttle that will take uh, the youth back to Mount Juliet Middle School. We sometimes refer to that as the old high school, if, if that helps you know where it is. But it's just here on Mount Juliet Road, and uh, it's, very, it's beside the Sonic on Mount Juliet Road. We will begin our vacation Bible school there in the auditorium of Mount Juliet Middle School. Toward the end of our time together, we will walk over to Charlie Daniels Park and we will have about 15 or 20 minutes of games and about 15 minutes of snacks at the very end. So if you're picking up your youth, that's where you'll want to go is to Charlie Daniels to pick them up. If you're dropping them off, you'll want to go to Mount Juliet Middle School. And if you want to drop them off and pick them up here, uh, we will... Gladly shuttle uh, all throughout uh, the times that, that that is needed. Also, if I can mention just one more thing. I know there's so much to cover, but you know there's power in praying to the Almighty God. Will you be praying about both of these vacation Bible schools? Will you be praying about the seeds that are being sown, that good will come from them for, for decades to come? Be praying about all of our teachers here. Be praying for all of our speakers there. And then also, I'd like for you to keep in mind, as I know you have been, but also continue to pray for our mission group, our team that is in Ukraine right now. Uh, they are doing a tremendous work. The few reports that we've regained so far, we know they're already being involved in daily vacation Bible schools and other classes and also going over to orphanages. And at night, they're having a gospel meeting in Kresner Misk. 
Uh, Sasha, the preacher there, has been running ads in the paper and on television. And this should be a wonderful time for the congregation to be known throughout that community. Another little sideline, it's not little, but another sideline thing that's going to be taking place is they're going to continue looking for property. It's great news. They've outgrown their building. Their building is a very inconvenient location of a third floor of an apartment building. And so now that it's time for a larger building, it's also a wonderful time to get a better location. They are, are looking at property. Buddy, it, you may have seen in one of the blogs, he says they have seen one place that looks like a great, great location. Be praying that that could be accomplished so that this congregation can have a location to reach uh, individuals to Christianity, to our Lord uh, for decades to come. And uh, we are prayerful and continue to be prayerful about this mission trip and the great good that is to come. There's a mouth of a river that that empties into the Atlantic Ocean on the Jersey coast. Several years ago, they were building, engineers were building a bridge to cross. And as they did, they, of course, were looking down where they would bore for the pilings. And and one of the places, they found a buried ship. And they discussed whether or not they could work around it. And the conclusion was, we have to raise this ship. It has to be out of our way. Well, they brought in the experts with all the big equipment. And with the latest technology and the big equipment, they failed because this vessel was so large, filled with so much sand and so much water, they simply didn't have the power to lift it. And so one young engineer said, after all had failed, he said, do you mind if I try something? It's a little bit more primitive, but it works off of the power, and I'll insert here, of God's nature. It works off the power of nature. And he brought in several huge barges and then some large chain and cable. And they went down and they secured the chain and the cable to the ocean vessel. And whenever the tide was low, they tightened all of the chains. And then as the tide would would beat in, it would raise just a little bit. It began to be a plunging effect. And then the tide would go back out. They would tighten it again. And it would come in. And over the hours when the ocean went from low tide to high tide, the vessel began to be freed. Isn't it interesting how that is an illustration of what's much more important spiritually, of how we can take the latest of technology, we can take all that we and our human strength can muster together and, and all of the effort that we can put forth in something and we simply would fail unless we couple ourselves with God. And that's why we know that that this Vacation Bible School can be a huge success. That's why we know that Ukraine work can be a huge success. That's why we know that our families can do well. That even in our own individual life, that we can be what God wants us to be if we couple ourselves with God. Friends, we're never going to outsmart, be smarter than God. We're never going to have more power than God. But when in wisdom we submit ourselves to his wisdom and link ourselves to his power, how rich we are. The text that was so capably read, we're reminded there in 2 Timothy that that is the last book that Paul would write. The last writings that we have preserved in the canon until Jesus comes again. 
And if it's of a Christian soldier that's writing to a young soldier and he's urging him not to give up, Paul knows that his time on this earth is limited. And he has enough faith in Timothy to believe that, that he wants Timothy to come with him knowing that soon he's going to be martyred. He wants Timothy, he says, come quickly in the fourth chapter. He wants him to be there with him as he's being martyred. That's how much trust and faith that he has in Timothy. But please note this. He also knew that Timothy had room to grow. He knew that even though this young man had so much to offer him and the kingdom, that he had room to grow. This morning, are you offended if we assume the fact that you have room to grow? I have room to grow. Everybody in this auditorium has room to grow. And so he takes this young man that was doing some things very well in his life. And in the first chapter, if you will, look at 1 Timothy, the first, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy, the first chapter. Look there with me, if you will, at at verses 6, 7, and 8. Notice what he says here. And and, and I'd like for you to notice, especially if you're reading the screen, just some highlighted uh, phrases there. Look at verse 6 as Paul says to Timothy, Therefore I remind you. See, he he knows he's writing one of the last letters and and he wants to remind him of some things. And notice what he says. I want to remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Paul, what do you want for Timothy? He says, I know that the gift that God has given him, all of us have been given a gift. We haven't been given a miraculous gift by the laying on of hands of an apostle, but all of us have been given a gift. Paul looks at Timothy's gift, and Timothy's using it. Timothy is a minister right now. It's not like he's not doing anything. But still, he looks at him and says, you need to stir the gift up. You can do more with the gift that's been given to you than what you're presently doing with it. Well, I wonder why maybe he wasn't doing as much as what he ought to do. Probably the next verse. He assumes... Timothy's been operating out of fear. And then he reminds them, it's not God that gives fear. God gives a spirit of power and of love and of clear thinking, of a sound mind. Listen, when I'm feeling so anxious that I can't think clearly, when I'm not treating someone with love, when I feel powerless, I'm not coupled up with God the way I ought to be in a partnership. God doesn't give us anxiety. God doesn't give us fear. God doesn't give us confusion. We need to have our eyes constantly set upon God so that we can be strong. But now did you notice that very next verse? He urges him not to be ashamed of the suffering, but instead come share in the suffering with me. Now, in the text that we're about to go to, which was the text that was read, we see these very same things taught again. You see, the point that I I want you to see this this morning is how Paul was pleading with Timothy, you've got a gift, use it even more so. Don't be afraid. Realize you are going to suffer. It's okay. Don't be afraid to suffer. That was easy to say, wasn't it? How hard is it really to do? If you were really going to try to convince your spouse, your child, your grandchild, yourself, not to be afraid of suffering, would there be any kind of metaphors that you could use to try to illustrate it? That was the text that we just read. 
He said, let me give you three metaphors that might help you realize that it's okay to suffer. It's okay to sacrifice because let's go in reverse order. Because in verse six, did you see what the farmer gets when he suffers and sacrifices and works? Did you see what the athlete gets when, when he trains and he, he disciplines himself? And in that sense, he suffers while he disciplines himself. But then what we're going to study this morning in verse 3 and 4 of 2 Timothy, the second chapter, he says, did you see what you can learn from the soldier? Is the soldier afraid of suffering? That would kind of be humorous. You could make quite a comedy routine if, if, if you could make up a story about a soldier who was afraid to suffer. And so it's a perfect illustration for the God Almighty to teach us that we are soldiers. Soldiers. That brings with it a mindset. So in the last few minutes that we have here, will you, will you kind of stay tuned, stay, stay keyed in? Because we've got a lot that we need to cover in just a few minutes. So I just want to skim some high points off of each of these verses that we could take any of these points so much deeper. But I'm going to try to discipline myself not to do that so we'll stay on time. Look here with me if you will, the second chapter in verse 1. He says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Here's a soldier writing to a young soldier and he's saying being strong. Do you know what God said to a young soldier named Joshua when he literally was about to go into physical battle, conquest of Canaan's land? Moses has just died. And now how are you going to get Joshua ready? The great Moses is dead. How is he going to be fit to lead the people? You know what God tells him? Three times, you know it, be strong. And courageous. Listen, we can't underestimate how important it is to be strong. Weak Christians don't make it if they stay weak. Please believe that. We may be weak from time to time, but we can't stay weak. We just don't make it in battle if we're continually weak. Before David, one of the greatest warriors who's ever lived, died, do you remember what he told his son Solomon? Be strong and courageous. Now Paul, one of the greatest warriors in the faith that's ever lived, is about to die and he looks to his young soldier and what does he say to him over and over in 2 Timothy? Be strong. But notice, that strength. Is in Christ Jesus. But before we do that, I'd like for you to look at this next slide. Isn't it interesting how this is something that's said even 2,000 years later? If you want to teach people today about how to be strong, what illustration are we accustomed to? The Army's recruiting line right now is they're strong. Then there's Army strong. We identify with that. We understand what they're saying. You expect a soldier to have greater strength because they've been disciplined, they've been trained, even their mind has been trained to be courageous and not run, but move forward. Friends, God is calling us to be soldiers. He's calling us to be soldier strong. But notice in this next slide, the very same verse that we're looking at here in verse 1. Notice that strength is in Christ Jesus. It's in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's not in us. Not in us alone. In other words, we're not going to stand separate from God and have the strength that we can stand. We have to stay coupled with the Lord. Why? Because verse 2 reminds us that we're part of something that's greater than us. We're in a living chain of faith. And we need to be strong so we keep this chain alive. I want to make up an illustration here. 
We know that, that the church is almost 2,000 years old. So I want you to think from the beginning of the church, and I want you to think, what if the Lord comes again in, in 3,000 years from the beginning of the church? And here we are, 2011. What if the Lord comes again? 3,000 years. Now, the Lord may come the next hour. But in this illustration, think about it. So Paul here in this second verse, he's saying to Timothy, you remember that there were many things that I taught to you among many witnesses. I committed them to you. In other words, I deposited them into your life. What do you do with the deposit? You place it for safekeeping. The church is to keep the truth safe. He says, now, now think about this generation, spiritual generation. Paul says, I placed that. I deposited it in your life, Timothy. And look at that next phrase. Now he says, I want you to deposit that in the lives of faithful men. I want you to give it to another generation. And he says, now when you give it to that generation, you have to teach them that it is their responsibility to give it to another generation. And so right here in this one verse, we have four spiritual generations. But think, the church began, we go back 2,000 years, and it's been a living chain where generations have taught the next generation. And now here we are in 2011, who's going to keep it alive? In the Mount Juliet community, who's going to keep it alive in your family? Who's going to keep it alive on your street? It's our responsibility. It's nobody else's responsibility. It's ours. It is ours to say, I am a part of something that's so much bigger than just me. I'm part of something that is 2,000 years old. And I'm a part of something that is to continue until Jesus comes again. Am I doing my part? Well, what is our part? Let's come back tonight and study our part. This is too good to just pass over. Tonight, let's come back and let's look at two major characteristics. Two major characteristics of what soldiers do that helps them endure so that they live on. This morning. Let's go to that very last slide. Do you feel like that you're at the bottom of an ocean? And do you feel like that you need to be lifted like that boat? Do you feel like that you can't do it on your own? You can't. Without the Lord, separate from the Lord, we are sunk. Spiritually, we're sunk. Isn't it wonderful that with our willingness and submission and God's grace, He will pull us up from depths that we cannot pull ourselves from. And He will bring us to heights that we cannot bring ourselves to without Him. This morning, if you need to come back to God, or if you need to come to Him for the first time as a believer, willing to repent of sins and confess and be baptized, please recognize that what He offers us is far beyond what we can bring. But what He expects of us is to be strong. If you haven't been so strong lately, will you come back to the one that can empower you? If we can help you in any way this morning, Come as we stand.
and as we sing.